it's, it's so good to uh, be here this morning uh, in the house of the Lord uh, to study another portion of God's holy and divine word. Uh, I'm honored to be here to participate in this uh, study. Uh, we always uh, uh, go to Shreveport and their Bible studies, and we learn so much uh, in these Bible studies. And we just love my wife and I coming to uh, the Bible studies. I'd just like to say that uh, I thank Brother Art for uh, inviting me to participate in this study. Uh, I remember the brother on yesterday, uh, or the day before, he spoke of, uh, he had heard about Brother Art uh, a long time and he had never met him that the great work that he was done doing in the kingdom of God. And when he met Brother Art, that he met a man of color. Well, in our meeting, Brother Art, we had a different experience. I never told Brother Art this before. Uh, we were living in Fort Lauderdale, and my name was in the church directory for the contact of the church there. And Brother Art called. And I was at home, he left a message inquiring about the church. And when I got home, uh, Sandra told me, he said, well, so this, this white brother just called looking for the church. I said, oh, okay. And so I got in touch with Brother Art and I talked to him. And I thought I was talking to a white brother also. <laughs> and I, and I made an arrangement to pick him up at his hotel when he got in town. And we were shocked that he wasn't a white brother. <laughs> uh, but, but we love Brother Art. And um, we, we thank God uh, for Brother Gay as well uh, that invited us here to participate in this study. Uh, you know, uh, the Bible uh, teaches us in the book of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 7 says the grass withered and the flower was faded. And some translations say the spirit of God and some say uh, the breath of God blow it upon it. And it says surely people is grass. And what Isaiah is saying is that just like the grass withered and just like the flowers faded it says we one day will do the same. But in that very next verse, he repeats it again. He says that the grass withered in Isaiah 40 and verse 8, and the flowers faded. But the word of our Lord endures forever. And that's what we hope to study this morning is from the word of God. Uh, the Bible teaches us in the book of Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23, Jeremiah says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself, for it is not in man that walketh that can direct his steps. And so we all need guidance, and God has given it to us uh, in his word. The Bible teaches us in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11, so if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any minister, let him do it with the ability which God has given. That God in all things 
through Jesus Christ may be glorified, dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so this morning, we hope and pray that by speaking the word of God, then God would get the glory through us teaching his word. And each and every one of us will be glorified from the teaching of God's word. And I found out also that we as humans can only speak 150 correct words a minute. And I'm not talking about people just talking, but I'm talking about 150 words, correct words per minute. And our mind can process and digest 250 words per minute. And what that means is that when we are talking, if I'm not saying anything that's impactful to you, our mind has a tendency to leave, leave this building and go somewhere else while I'm talking. And when it comes back, if I'm still not saying anything that's impactful, the mind suggests to the body, go to sleep. And so I hope that this is not the case this morning. I, I, and it's not that you don't love me if you go to sleep on me, or you being disrespectful if you go to sleep on me. It's just this powerful mind that God has given us. We all have this tendency. So I hope this morning that uh, I will be saying something for the word of God that will be uh, impactful to all of us. Now, I have some questions that uh, Brother Art uh, sent to me, and he asked me to uh, expound upon these concerning the hope of our salvation. It says, uh, what is the definition of hope in the Bible? What are we hoping for in this life? How do we secure the hope in scripture? And what's the special assurance that's provided through the hope we have in Christ? And how do we know if it's not in vain like other human hope on earth? And what do we learn about the hope that we both, that we have both present and future? And through this study, I hope to uh, answer these questions that he's provided to me. I want to start off first with uh, the book of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 12. And this is Jesus speaking and teaching on the mountain. We call these scripture the beatitude. And Jesus is teaching, and this is what he says in verse 12. It says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. It says, so prosecuted uh, the prophets which were before you. And, and Strong said that uh, rejoicing is to skip like a child. And I want us to know that the Bible says that this reward that God has for us when we get to heaven is a great reward. Not a small reward, but a great reward. And that's one of our hopes uh, one day is to get to heaven. 
Also in the uh, book of Matthew, chapter 10 and verse 42, uh, it teaches this. And this is the act of giving and the receiving of a reward. And this book of Matthew, chapter 10 and verse 42. Notice what the Bible says here. In this act of giving and, and receiving, the Bible says that, and whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Our God and Father in heaven, it's talking about one of the smallest act of kindness. It's where we can offer a disciple of Christ a cup of cold water. God recognized all good deeds. And I was speaking to Brother Cunningham and we were talking about the reward that we have in heaven. He asked me to consider uh, this scripture uh, in the lesson. It comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 16 and verse 27. When you talk about rewards. And that passage of scripture is talking about desserts. Not food now. But it's talking about a person that has deserted Christ. If you heard the term of I can't believe this person deserted their country. It's speaking of. Deserts in this term. And notice what Jesus uh, had to say about this verse in the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Notice what it says. He says that for the son of man shall come in glory of his father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. That's what Jesus says. And. I want us to consider two Greek words when we talk about rewards. The first one is mystio. And we find that in Matthew chapter, chapter 5 and verse 12 and Matthew 10 and 42. This is the, uh, the act of paying for a service in mystio. And the other one is apodidomy. This is the one that a pay for punishment. And I remember when I was in uh, my home studying for this lesson and I was in the other room and I was trying to learn how to pronounce these Greek words. And I had the door closed and I was speaking these words out loud and Sandra said, what's going on in there? Because I'm speaking Greek. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, you know, these are the things that we, we learned about the word of God. But what I want us to notice is that Jesus speaks about this reward. Every man will be rewarded uh, for what he has done. But I want us to notice what he says in verse uh, Matthew, chapter 16 and verse 26. And he's talking about a person that uh, in the last days that would desert himself and try to save himself, how that he would lose his life. And notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26. He says, for what if a man uh, profited? 
if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for it? Brothers, sisters, and friends, there are some things in this life that we can lose and of no value to us. There's some things in this life that we can break and we can repair it. God has only given us one soul. And if we lose the only soul that we have, that's a loss that we can never recover from. It's permanent. If we lose the only soul that God has given us, we're not going to get another one. It is permanent. And this is what Jesus is talking about. What if a man gain the whole world and lose his own soul? God's not going to give us another one. And so as we study the word of God this morning, I just wanted just to look at some of these questions that Brother Art asked me to expound upon. And one is the definition uh, of what hope is in the Bible. And I know that we all can practically uh, quote this scripture by memory. We heard it so much in the book of Hebrew, chapter 11 and verse one. Notice what Hebrew, Hebrew says. Says, uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The old meaning of substance, the Greek word is hypostasis, uh, which means is to uh, stand under. The evidence, uh, it's talking about the foundation, it's the conviction the persuasion that we have. And he says, faith is the foundation on which all of our hopes for in the future. That's what faith is. And if we didn't have faith, then we will only be limited to our five senses in this life. So we have faith where we can see into the future through the word of God. And I just want to say this to you uh, before I go too far into the lesson. I know that some of you are just meeting uh, us in this study. And I just want to just tell you a little something about me and my wife. Those of you that don't know us. Is that we came from the Baptist religion. That's the religion that we came from. And. When I went off to service, I, I was in Vietnam in the Marines. And I got back from service and my wife and I, we were actually searching for the truth. And a friend of mine that I had known for many years called me one day and asked me to come over to his home. Some of you all may know uh, Brother T.C. Ashmore. And I went over to his home and he uh, invited me in, he said, Let's sit down and talk about the Bible. I said, okay. So we sit down in this floor. And he gave me a Bible, and, uh, and we opened the Bible. He said, uh, now, what religion are you? I said, Baptist. He said, can you show me that in the Bible? I said, yeah. 
And I started to fumble the Bible <laughs> to the point I said, I can't find it. <laughs> he said, I know because it's not in there. <laughs> and so he went through a series of scripture with me and I went back home and he invited uh, Sandra and I to worship service. You have to understand, coming from the Baptist faith, uh, the Baptist is all about show and tell. You got these people with the fancy cars and the, uh, the hats on and, and the fancy clothes, you know, and you walk into the building, you walk into the red carpet and you have the urchins that's seating you. You got the preacher with the robe on and you got the choir up there and then you got the piano and the drums. This is the environment that we came from when he invited us to come to worship service in Memphis, Tennessee. We went to uh, the Church of Christ there. And when we got there, <laughs> this building that he took us to was a shack. It had been raining that day. And I walk in, and they had this bucket in the floor that was catching a leak from the roof there from raining. And I looked down and you could see the ground. It had cracks in the floors. I looked at the preacher. He didn't have a rope on. There was no choir there. There was no music in there. And I'm saying, what has Brother Ashmore got us into? Coming to this place. The brother's name is Brother Harris, Willie Harris. But when he got up and started to preach in the gospel, I had my Bible with, with me. And I was going to the scripture with him, and he was preaching the gospel of Christ that day. And he got to the plan of salvation, the one that you saw Brother uh, Gay put on the board. I had never seen that before in my life. And after the service, I asked him, I said, I said, what must I do to be saved? And he asked me, he said, do you believe... Uh, that Jesus Christ is the son of God? I said, yeah, I believe that. He said, do you believe that God raised him from the dead? I said, yes. He said, then you need to be baptized. I said, I've already been baptized. He said, but that baptism didn't put you in Christ. I started thinking about that. Well, I knew it was the truth that we had heard. And so on our way home, I told my wife, Sandra, I said, I'm going to go back Next Sunday, I'm going to obey the gospel. I was 27 years old. Sandra said, well, I'm going back to my home church. And that's what we were doing when we went to church. We didn't go every Sunday, but whenever we went, she would go to her church. She uh, was brought up in, and I would go to the church that I was brought up in. And so I went back that next Lord's Day and was baptized for the remission of my sins. And they gave me this little pamphlet on baptism is where you're going if you're not baptized into Christ. And I gave that book to Sandra and she read it. And the next Lord's Day, she came back. She said, I could see what the preacher was preaching when I went back to my home congregation I was a member of. And she told them, she said, I want to get baptized today. And the baptism wasn't working. Sandra said, somebody's going to baptize me today. And we had to take her to another congregation, Brother B.B. Kaysen, if any, you all know Brother B.B. Kaysen that had passed on. We went over to that congregation, and so Sandra was baptized for the remission of her sins. And that's how we started our Christian life.
And what I want you to know is this, is that I got a job with Exxon. And Exxon put me on Sunday work. I had just obeyed the gospel. And so I went to my boss and I asked him, I said, I need to be off on Sunday to go to worship service. He said, James, I can't do that. He said, you're the last person that we hired. And the people with seniority dictates the schedule. He said, into winter month, they go hunting. And the summer months, they go fishing. He said, it'll be a long time before you get Sunday work off. And I went back to the brethren. And I told them what had happened to me. Now, they never told me anything about, uh, well, Brother Nelson, you need to quit your job or anything like that. They never told me anything like that. This is what they told me. They said that, Brother Nelson, you're in a grave situation if you cannot come to worship service. He said, you need to work yourself out of that situation. So I went back to Exxon and started working on Sunday. And it wasn't very long after that, my boss called me into his office. And he said, James, I know you want to go to church on Sunday. He said, we got an opening in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And this is how we got to Florida. He said, and the beautiful thing about it, there's no Sunday work there. He said, now, if you want to go there, I will fly you and your wife to Florida to see if you want to live there. Well, we knew that we were going to go to Florida because there was no Sunday work there. So we took the two weeks vacation that Exxon gave us. And came to Florida. But we knew we were going to live in Florida. <laughs> and so when we got to Florida, and two years later, Exxon started Sunday work again. And they put me on Sunday again. Well, remember now, I was a baby in Christ in Memphis. But about two years, I had a little strippy underneath my belt. They put me on the Sunday work, and I went to my boss, and I said, sir, I said, I need to be off on Sunday to go to worship service. And my boss said, James, I can't do that. He said, some people want to be off on a Saturday, some Monday. He said, we just can't do that. I said, sir, I'm willing to work any schedule that you have. But this is what I want you to know. I want you to read this scripture. And I had my Bible with me when I was talking to my boss. I opened that Bible up and I took him to Hebrew 10 and 25. I said, the Bible tells me not to forsake the assembly. I said, now, you do what you have to do, and I'm going to do what I have to do. At that time, I had made a decision that I was going to stand on God's word. He said, James, if you leave from work three times, we will have to fire you. And he said, there's a progression step that we do here. So the next lowest day, I went to work. I left work, went to worship service, came back. And there was this letter in my box that this is your first step of termination. I want you to know something. I was shaking in my shoes when I was standing there talking to my boss about taking my livelihood away because it was just my wife and my two boys. And we were a thousand miles away from home. It was just us. But I said I was going to stand on God's word. So the next Lord's Day, I went to work. 
left work, went to worship service. That Monday, the second letter in my box, this is your second step of being fired. The next lost day, I went to work, I left work, and that Monday, I just knew, I said, this is it. They're gonna fire me. I walked in, and my coworkers said, James, take a look at the board. I said, what? I said, look at the board. I turned around and looked, they had all X's on Sunday, said no Sunday work. Exxon shut down Sunday work. One of the largest companies in the world. I'm telling you that when we put our hope and trust in God, he will fight your battle. I like to tell that story because God showed up in a big way for us. And that's what we're talking about, the hope of our salvation uh, this morning. As we talk about the hope of our salvation, is what, the question is, what are we hoping for in this life? I hope that we all are hoping to go to heaven one day. Now, no, we don't want to go today, do we? We just want to wait and go another time. But you see, we all are hoping to go to heaven one day. This is our hope and our salvation. And the question is, how do we secure this hope in Scripture? I, I believe this hope starts with the book of Galatians, chapter 3, and verse 26 and 27. Our eternal hope starts there. The Bible says, for we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For, said, for as many as of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. That's where we put him on, in the watery grave of baptism. This is where our hope in Christ starts, brothers and sisters and friends. And these are some scriptures that, so where, what do we learn about the hope that we have in both the present and the future? And, and Brother Art gave me several other scriptures uh, to take a look at. And I'm just going to give them, but I'm not going to expound upon them. But one is uh, the book of Romans, chapter 12, in verse 12. Uh, Romans 15, chapter 4, in verse 13. And Romans 8, 20, and 25. And I told him, I said, well, I'll just expound upon the book of Acts, chapter 26, and verse 6 and 7. I want us to take a look at that one, the book of Acts, chapter 26. And 6 and 7. The Apostle Paul is standing before King Agrippa, being accused of breaking the Jewish law. I want us to un understand what Paul is, is saying here. Paul had not broke the Jewish law. Paul was reared up in one of the strictest sects of the Jewish people, the Pharisees. And he knew the law. 
And King Agrippa knew the law. But that is not what he was being accused of is breaking the Jewish law. This is what he was being accused of. In verse six, Paul said, and now I stand and I am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. So that's what he said. He said, unto which promise? Our 12 tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. The Apostle Paul was being accused of this hope that he was espousing for his brethren of the 12 tribes of Israel. God had promised that he would bless these 12 tribes. And that's what God promised Paul. And notice what uh, in this passage of scripture, the apostle Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin. John the Baptist was of the tribe of Levi. Joseph and Mary was of the tribe of Judah. Anna was of the tribe of Asher. And we see that in Luke 2 and 36 and on and on and on. But this is what the Apostle Paul uh, was standing in accused of, of the hope that he was espousing. And the thing about this is this hope that Paul was espousing upon, this hope had extended all the way through the Jewish scriptures. It goes all the way back to Genesis. And I'll just go back there if you want to take a look at the book of Genesis. And we'll see that Genesis, I believe, is chapter 22, I believe. Look at my notes here. Genesis chapter 22 and 18. This is God making a promise to Abraham. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 18. He says, And in thy seed shall all the nation of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Brothers, sisters, and friends, that hope extended all the way to us. The promise that God made to Abraham. This is the hope of our salvation that we're talking about this morning. And another one is that, is how, how can we make sure of this hope of our salvation? I believe that when Jesus was teaching on the mount, he covered that in the Beatitudes. Notice what he says in the Beatitudes as he was teaching. In the book of Matthew chapter five and verse three, notice what Jesus says. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that poor in spirit is the humble spirit, not the haughty spirit, but the humble spirit. It also says in verse four, Blessed are they that mourn. I want us to know this morning that all mourners are not blessed. 
He's talking about what is meant here is the mourning over our sinfulness. That's what Jesus is talking about. The Bible tells us that there is a sorrow in this life that actually leads to death. And we see this in the book of 2 Corinthians. We'll turn there. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And look at these passages of scriptures. Book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And verse 10. In these passages of scriptures, the Bible says, for godless sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. This is the godless sorrow that the Bible is speaking of, is blessed of those that mourn. But notice what it says. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. You see, true repentance is the righteousness of God when we realize that we are in the wrong relationship and we're going to want to repent and make that right with God. That's true repentance. When we realize that we need to be corrected. But the Bible tells us that, you see, we all know about Judas's character. Judas is carried, we, we, we find in the, in the book of chapter, Matthew chapter 27 and verse 3 and 5, we, we find there that Judas portrayed Jesus Christ. And afterward, he became sorrowful for what he had done. And he tried to give the money back. But the Bible tells us that those Pharisees refused to take it. And so he threw the money in the temple, the 30 pieces of silver. And the Bible says that Judas is carried with so sorrowful for what he had done, but his mind had not repented. He went out and hanged himself. That's, the, that's what we're talking about, the repentance that leads to death. It's a regret. It's not a repentance. You regret what you have done. And Judas is not the only victim of being sorrowful. We see this all the time in this world that we're living in. Where people, they commit suicide. They are sorrowful, but there's no repentance. But we find that true repentance in the book of Acts chapter, 30, Acts chapter 2 and verse 36 and 38 is true repentance. It's when those Jews realized that they had crucified our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They asked the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter stood up. He told them, let every one of you repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. You see, those people brought the fruits. The truth Fruit of repentance. They made that change in their mind. That's true repentance. 
Notice, we, we, we go back to uh, Matthew chapter 5. And how can we secure this hope of our salvation? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. Jesus teaching, he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's talking about the mild, the gentle. And some of us have been in these studies, we've talked about the spirit that we should have. The gentle spirit being mild. Uh, not the proud spirit, but a mild and gentle spirit. And notice what the Bible says, uh, bless uh, the meat, for they shall inherit the earth. A lot of people think that the Bible is talking about this earth. You know, and I, I, I have some family people that believe that this earth uh, will be replenished one day and people will be without sin. No, no, the Bible is talking about the Messiah kingdom, the type of, you remember, uh, Canaan was a tight heaven. When the Bible says the earth is talking about the heavenly earth, not this earth that we uh, live in and so richly enjoy today, because if we look at the Bible, and I won't go to the scripture, but in 2 Peter 3, 1 through 18, and 2 Peter 3, 11 and 15, 15, we see that this earth that we live in right now will one day will be dissolved. It will be no more. So Christ is not going to come back here. This earth one day will be gone. The Bible says in Matthew 5 and verse 6. It says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Uh, this word hunger. Is a felt one. Uh, the Bible in this case, the Bible is talking about those that hunger for righteousness. They shall be filled. You know, we have the example of the prodigal son in the book of Luke, chapter 15 and verse 17, where he was in hunger. And he realized that there was a better place that he could be in his father's house. And he went back home. But the Bible is speaking about the hunger uh, in this life that we have for Christ. He said, blessed in Matthew 5 and verse 7 says, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. We must forgive if we want to be forgiven. This is what Jesus is teaching. He says in Matthew 6 and 12, it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Brothers and sisters, we are asking for forgiveness all the time from my Father in heaven. So we have to have the spirit of forgiveness. And I know that sometimes uh, we say that, well, I'll forgive you this time. But if you do that again, I'm not going to forgive you. And some of us forgive with the, with the axe handle sticking up out of the ground. Just waiting on somebody to make that mistake again. But the Bible tells us that if we want forgiveness... If we want mercy, then we have to show mercy. The Bible also teach in the book of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. If we want to secure our hope by salvation. It said, blessed are the pure in heart, 
but they shall see God. The Jews under the Pharisees' teaching, they cared, they cared little for the state of the heart. It was the outside appearance what they cared for. They, the Bible tells us that Jesus, however, demands that the mind, the heart, shall be purified. A pure heart begets a pure life. And an impure heart, a corrupt life. The Bible says, bless of the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Not with our natural eye that we see God, but with our spiritual vision. That's how we see God. In Matthew 5 and verse 9, the Bible says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, we as children of God, we go forth proclaiming peace and goodwill among mankind. And Jesus Christ is the great peacemaker. In Matthew 5 and verse 10, the Bible says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Jews expected a conquering kingdom, and his citizens be lords among the nation. But Christ pronounce a blessing upon those who are persecuted. Not for misdeeds, but for righteousness sake. In the book of Matthew chapter five and verse 11, the Bible says, bless are ye when men shall revile you. That word revile means to treat you unpleasant or to be nasty toward you. Jesus said, bless are ye when men revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. The word righteous sake and my sakes, these two words mean the same. The Bible says that we are blessed when we're able to endure that. And then we get down to the, uh, the book of Matthew once again. It says that Matthew 5 and verse 12, what I read in the very beginning, said, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So persecuted, so persecuted they, the prophets which were before you. Jesus rejoice and be exceedingly glad. He tells us that. For great is your reward in heaven. This is not a small reward. This is a great reward. And we're talking about those that have been persecuted before us. Uh, we, we just read the book of uh, Isaiah. I believe Brother Art did last night in some of Isaiah writings. It is said that Isaiah had been sown asunder, sawed asunder. In other words, sawed into pieces for preaching God's word. Isaiah. Jeremiah was thrown into a dungeon and threatened with death. These are the people that had been persecuted before us. 
for Christ's sake, for God's sake. Elijah was hunted by Ahab and Jezebel, this great man of God, Elijah, was running for his life, for standing on God's word, being hunted. And if we know anything about Jezebel in the, in the scriptures, Jezebel didn't play. Jezebel was an evil person. And Elijah was hunted by her. You know, there's, there's a myth out here that we hear in this world that we live in. People who have the idea that somehow they are earning their way to heaven by doing good works. As long as good works outweigh the bad, some people think they will get the reward of heaven. Brothers and sisters and friends, these are no more than lies of the devil. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, we could work from sun up to sundown, and we will never be able to earn our salvation. God gives that to us. We have nothing to boast about. But I tell you this, morality alone will not save. But you do have to be a moral, decent person to be saved. In the hope of our salvation, the meaning is the meaning of deliverance. It's from sin and its consequences. That's what we are delivered from. Most people, in fact, 72% of Americans uh, believe in the afterlife, but don't make plans for this long trip that we will take one day. I look at the fact that just coming here to Grapevine, the preparation that Sandra and I had to make, well, we decided on what clothes that we were gonna bring and, and packing things and securing the house, going to our neighbor, those that we trust, and look out for any package that you might see at the door, remove them so people don't know that we're gone. Go to the rental car place, rent a car, the kind of car that we're at. How much, how much time do I have, brother? <laughs> okay. All right. So it's time? <laughs> okay. Let me just say this. Uh, I'll just say this is that. Uh, one day we're going to take this long trip, brother and sister and friend. We need to be planning for it. Because the Bible says uh, in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7, it said, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. God is the great giver. That is my lesson this morning.